This episode is actually an interview I gave to Dr. Matt Driscoll on his podcast called Rock Spotlight. Dr. Matt loves to explore ways to improve people's lives through healthier living, and he wanted me to talk about strategies to improve your indoor air quality. So thanks to Dr. Matt for allowing me the opportunity to share these five IAQ tips. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Driscoll, and today we'll be talking about indoor air quality. With it being spring and the weather hopefully turning for the better real soon, this is a great time to have this conversation. When I think of air quality, I think of allergies, pets, asthma, and opening the windows in our homes and offices. We will discuss this and so much more today, and I am really excited to bring on our guest, Rob Ambrosetti. So with that, let's introduce Rob. Rob has worked in the heating and air conditioning in various capacities for the past 30 years. While working in the family refrigeration business, he obtained his college degree in secondary education and taught middle school social studies for two years after graduation. While teaching, he realized how much he missed the business. All along, he grew up with allergies and asthma and took a special interest in indoor air quality. He currently works with several manufacturers of indoor air quality products, and he still gets to teach as he trains HVAC distributors and contractors about indoor air quality. So with that, I'd like to welcome Rob. Thanks, Dr. Matt. I'm glad to be here. How you doing, my man? We're doing great. You know, it's been a busy couple of months, unfortunately, with this pandemic on our end with, you know, everybody talking about sneezes and coughs and uh, <laughs> as it's related to IQ, unfortunately, but... We're doing good. We're, this is a great time to start educating people, actually. Great time to have this conversation. I agree. Yeah. So tell me more, Rob, about your occupation. So I work mainly as a trainer to heating and air conditioning contractors and distributors, actually all across the sales channel within the HVAC market. So uh, I work directly for manufacturers to take, um, and you know, by virtue of gaining a better understanding of indoor air quality um, people are more likely to talk about it and you know all the way from the distributors of these products to the contractors which really where the rubber meets the road because those are the guys that are actually in the homes um, you know looking at HVAC systems and solutions to help people improve their air so I kind of work in the background if you will I'm doing all the training and and, and kind of the IAQ uh, guru if you will um, to share what I learned uh, through hard knocks and other ways over the course of my uh long history in this trade so what or who inspired you rob to get a career in air quality well i grew up in a family uh, refrigeration business so it's kind of i grew up in the trade itself but me personally i took a special interest because i did grow up with asthma childhood asthma and allergies i've had allergy tests once as an adolescent and once as an adult and um you know it's just uh just inherently by me suffering through and looking for ways to help help myself breathe better. Uh, and just, you know, from what I've learned over the years uh, and, and happening to be in this trade, having access to different devices and different methods to, uh, to try to help the air that I breathe. Right. Um, now, let me ask you this question, um, personal mm -hmm. question, but have you grown out of the allergies? So allergies, no. Asthma, yes, fortunately. Uh, but the funny thing is, and this is kind of a, a hot topic now, so if I do get a cold or a chest cold, you know, that's where I, I do have a difficult time breathing. And that's, I know, the uh, the pandemic going on here. And it's an interesting thing because, you know, all the targeted groups that we talk about in terms of indoor air quality are the same targeted groups of people that we're concerned about with the, you know, the human coronavirus. It's the people with COPD, somebody that may have asthma, uh, people with allergies and and there's a large portion portion of the population that is susceptible to, you know, not just having bad air, but getting these germs as well. And, and 
and not doing so well. Right. Now, a lot of us, myself included, are talking about immune system right now with the coronavirus, uh, beefing that up with proper sleep, exercise, nutrition, et cetera. But this is a big piece of the puzzle that I don't think enough people are talking about. Would you agree? Absolutely agree. And that's why I am so happy to be a part of this and help help under, gain a better understanding of what it is that we can do in our homes to help alleviate or at least there's no guarantee against, you know, not getting sick. It's just but what you can minimize your chances of getting sick with several strategies we'll talk about. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's no better time than now to talk about this and uh, and learn a little something. And it doesn't it's not all rocket science either, fortunately. Now, I should know this is, a, I guess, a perfect segue into this is round two for us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I had a, it was my fault. Technical difficulties with the Wi-Fi last time. So um, I feel like this is going to be a perfect podcast. <laughs> Well-oiled machines, both of us. <laughs> so, Rob, why is air quality so important? Are you sure you asked me that question before? <laughs> I'm just teasing you. <laughs> um, oh boy, I'm bring... just teasing you. I know we have to have some fun with this. So, so here's the thing. Um, I'm going to actually ask you a question to highlight what we're actually talking about here. So if I were to ask you, how much time do you think the average person spends through the course of their life, spends indoors? So that's a good question. I, I would say, um, let's see, we sleep for a third of our lives, they say. So I'm going to say the other two thirds. So let's say two thirds. It's a really, that's actually a really good guess. So it's a way, way higher than that. And it's, I think it shocks a lot of people. So any, any, any one of us that's a living, living breathing human being, actually, when it all is said and done, and no matter how much I like hiking, we're all going to spend about 90% of our lives indoors somewhere. So that's how come it's important because you're breathing indoor air somewhere, right? Whether it's at work, home, and actually if you include automobiles, that's probably a little higher, more like 93%. So what's happened, honestly, to us as, 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 as homes got newer and tighter and really efficient, we've actually cut off the inherent outdoor uh, air exchange into the space. So what, what's happened is EPA actually did studies, the EPA actually did studies on the pollutant levels indoors, and they found that, you know, that most often we're two to five times higher pollutants than, than exist outside, in some really bad cases, more than 100 times. So that's the importance of this is because we're spending our time indoors somewhere. And, and get ready for this. I'll, I'll, I'm going to make a statement and just ready to blow your mind here. Are you ready? I'm ready. The only air that we can actually control that we breathe is the air in our homes. So just That's think about awesome. that for a second, right? <laughs> it's the only place that we actually have control over the air that we're breathing is actually in our homes. So That's so um, good to hear, though. That's so good to hear because we are in control and we can change that and we can influence that environment. 100%. Most of the time you, you have almost full control over that. So so with that, some of the things that we look at, uh, you know, when we say we're going to clean the air or treat the air or make it better for us to breathe, there's always uh, three levels of contaminants that everyone should know that we're actually chasing or after. And it's, it's, there's three, and it's really easy to kind of remember the, the germs, the things that get us sick, first and foremost. Huh? Then there's the odors. And part of the odors are the volatile organic compounds. And these are like off-gassing of compounds. And, and here's two good examples of that. So they're, they're gases that we breathe, and sometimes, most of the time, you can smell them. New carpet smell and new car smell. So as much as I like both of those, because they kind of smell new to it, we equate those with being new, they're actually off-gassing materials, and those things really aren't, aren't, aren't great for us to be breathing in. 
Um, and then the last but not least is particulates. And this is where the allergy sufferers of the world live. So these are the things that are floating in the air that over 90% of these things we cannot see with the naked eye. So you and I are breathing these things right now. We can't see them. A lot of those people might know as pollen, dust, dander. It's just a fancy word for dead skin cell. You know, as much as we think of uh, dander from pets, you know, we as humans actually are the worst offenders. We actually shed too. I know it's really gross, but we actually do shed quite a bit. <laughs> um, so these particles are in the air, they're floating, and they're so light and weight that they're in the air. So those are the three things that we go after and try to alleviate in the indoor space. Now, when I think of VOCs, I think of paint. Is that correct? That's that's absolutely, yes, that's a VOC. So the off-gassing of paint, varnishes, uh, a lot of chemicals and hypersensitive people can't even store those within their home. They actually have to store them uh, outside in a garage or a shed somewhere. But that's a really good example, Dr. Matt, yes. I'm so glad you touched on the carpet and new car smell. Um, I just heard this recently about, so since when does smelling good have to have a scent? It shouldn't smell at all. It should be... I, I guess a scent, if that's a word, <laughs> there shouldn't be a scent at all. Right. Um, so, that's so true. So when, we, when we smell this new carpet, yeah, those are just chemicals that our body has to break down and get rid of. There are a lot of them. And the really nasty ones are formaldehydes. And formaldehydes are used as like glues and pressed wood. Um, sure. uh, there's solvents that come uh, in cleaners and in paints, like you were saying. There's some really nasty ones that really are, are not very good for us. And while we're talking about this, um, a great resource for listeners is the book Dirty Jeans by Dr. Ben Lynch. If So say like some, some people can go into a room and have no problem with the off-gassing of a car or carpet, but other people get a wicked migraine or they're just sick, they're ill, and that could be a gene that they have. And we can influence those genes, though, based on um, environment, based on nutrition, based on exercise, etc. Um, so this book is all about figuring out which gene you might have that's dirty or acting dirty and kind of clean it up because not everyone has those symptoms. That's true. Everyone is different. Every VOC is different. Um, you might have a reaction to something and I might not. Um, it's a really, really good point. Um, another resource people can use, honestly, is the EPA uh, website, epa.gov. There's all kinds of information about indoor air quality in there. And it's a nice source of uh, a reading material and, and resources for folks that they want to know more too. Cool. Well, let's dive into the meat and potatoes of today. So the title of today's talk is What's in Your Air? Five Tips to Improve Your Indoor Air Quality. So what are these five tips? Sure. So I think a lot of people are familiar with some of the room-only solutions. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of times you'll see in big box stores, you know, room-only HEPA air purifiers, room-only, you know, air purifiers of different sorts. Uh, first and foremost, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize that there's whole home solutions. So, you know, you pay a lot of money to do just one room. Um, there are options out there. And if you just, you know, I, I can't stress enough, you know, if you have a heating and air conditioning contractor that knows your system well, just have a conversation, call them because they can actually let you know if your system is capable of having a whole, whole home solution. Uh, if you have a boiler versus a first a forced air furnace, you might have a little different arrangement or di different solution type, but they're out there to treat your whole home. I just want everybody to know that. So first and foremost, uh, fresh air is really uh, underrated. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what the whole issue is here. We can't get fresh air inside. So um, 
there's a way to do that, honestly. Uh, so, so if you could have your windows and doors open, you would. But a lot of our, and a lot of times of the year, you know, we have a long heating season up here, uh, where you can't have your windows and doors open because it's just too cold outside. And then, honestly, there's times when it might be nice outside, but you don't want to open them up because there might be pollen outside, and you might have an allergy. So, there's a lot of times where you just can't have them open. So there's a way to bring in those the outdoor air mechanically, and they're called heat recovery ventilators and energy recovery ventilators. And they actually are like a little mini air exchanger. There's a little, there's two fans in them, and they attach usually on your um, your HVAC system. But you can also, if you do have a home that has a boiler in it, uh, we can actually run a few ducts and actually still bring fresh air in. So don't don't fret if you have a, a hydronic or boiler system. There's still ways to bring in fresh air. So. This is called dilution, right? So if the pollutants are getting higher and higher in, in the space because of lack of fresh air, we start pumping fresh air in efficiently through the air exchanger. So we're exhausting stale air. And let's say that stale air in the, most, in the winter months is um, warm. We're going to run it through the heat exchanger. We're going to pre-treat the fresh air coming in that might be very cold. And we're going to raise the temperature of that up a little bit. So we're not really taxing the HVAC system. Um, you know, and we're going to let this work a little more efficiently. So there's ways to bring fresh air in. I would say first and foremost, this is a primary one. It often gets overlooked by contractors too, because they just don't think of it. Uh, and I shouldn't say that about everyone. It's just, um, it, you know, the installation might be a half a day or so to get one of these in, but it's totally doable. And if you want fresh air, it's possible. Uh, next on the list, the second one is filtration. I think everyone knows what a one inch air filter looks like probably, right? Yep. Um, and, and, you know, it's often forgotten about, you know, wherever our equipment is, it often gets forget, you know, if you don't have a, somebody coming over to do regular maintenance, uh, even my own house, I'm guilty of it. I forget about it at times. And uh, one inch air filters primarily are great, not great, but, you know, they're there to help protect the equipment, not so much our breathing air. So if you do have a one inch air filter, there's plenty of room for improvement there. Uh, half of the homes in America have one-inch air filters, so there's plenty of room or opportunity to increase the air filtration in your house um, to a higher level air filter. There's a scale called MERV rating, and our, our organization that oversees the standards for our trades called ASHRAE, they set up this MERV rating system. And just to make it real simple, it's on a scale from 1 to 16. The higher the number, the better the air filter it is. So most of the big box stores where you go to go buy your one inch air filter, uh, fiberglass is horrible, by the way. It's probably the lowest of all the numbers. Uh, but sometimes you'll see pleated air filters. You might, I think at the most I've seen is probably like a MERV 8. So about halfway up the scale. If you talk to your heating and air conditioning contractor, there are what we call media air cleaners. There you're going to see a MERV rating of 11 to and higher. Um, so here you start talking about if you have allergies, you'll start catching more and more of those pollens and dust. Uh, and even dust mites and what they leave behind in the air. I know it's really gross, but uh, that's what our allergies are caused by. And, you know, a big source of topic lately over the past couple of months has been, you know, when somebody sneezes and coughs, it, it causes these uh, infectious you know, bioaerosols or droplet, droplet nuclei. So MERV 13 and higher is actually capable of grabbing those out of the air. As long as that nuclei makes its way to the air filter, you have the ability to catch it. Finally, you know, but here's the problem. A lot of those those better air media air cleaners, sometimes your system can't handle the pressure drop that it creates. So you put something like a piece of cardboard in the air path, it blocks off the air, right? So media air clean, cleaners, the better or higher they get, the you know, the more air pressure drop it is. So I would just say talk to your contractor who might know your system or have somebody come look at it to see if it's capable, if your system is capable of handling, you know, a higher, um, a higher, a better air filter. 
Worst case scenario, though, let's say your system is just it doesn't have the airflow to handle more than a one inch air filter. There's what we call a HEPA air filter. HEPA is just a, a fancy word for hospital grade air filtration. And again, I don't think most people know that you can actually get hospital grade air filtration for your house. Uh, they're actually easy, easy to install. Um, it's a separate unit with its own fan. So we're not relying on the furnace fan all by itself to help filtration. This gets attached as a secondary device on the return air side of the system, we call it, to help give you, you know, hospital-grade air, air filtration. So that's possible, too. So that's filtration. So we covered fresh air, filtration. Finally, purification. Um, how do you actually take the air and make it like, you know, like you want it, like outside air would be? So we call these air purifiers. There's... Um, UV lamps, UV uh, ultra, ultraviolet light's been around a really long time to help keep germs at bay and kill germs. Huge topic last the last couple of months of how sterilization works. So there's devices, UV lamps that we can place inside underneath the air conditioning coil to help keep anything from growing on the air conditioning coil. It's not an air purifier per se, but it's a maintenance item. So it'll keep your system from becoming a source of any kind of problems. Because you think about a blower, if it blows over a microbe, the last thing we want is something to blow around all over your space that might be a, um, you know, an, an allergen to you or make you sick. So there's UV lights, and then there's actual air purifiers that are meant to treat uh, all three levels of contaminants. Remember the germs, the odors and gases, and the particulates. So I would look, if you're out looking for one and shopping for one, look for one that could treat all three levels and do it proactively throughout the space. In other words, you know, like that room version we were talking about that you might buy for one room. Uh, these devices that get installed in your central air system or your ductwork system will treat your whole house. Okay. So look for that. Uh, talk to your HVAC guy about that. There's some options out there that they can talk to you, to you about. So that's, uh, so we got fresh air filtration, purification, um, uh, humidification. Uh, up here to northern climates, uh, we'll talk about humidity in terms of comfort. You know, humidity, relative humidity plays a role in how you feel when, when there's certain temperatures. This conversation has changed over the past few months. Uh, there's so many studies out there now that, st that show how proper humidity levels can keep viruses at bay and keep your immune system working properly where it should be. Let me say this a little bit different. Um, that the prime... Uh, the, the primary humidity range, ideal humidity range that you want to keep your house at, and you can do this with hygrometers, you know, you can buy a hygrometer uh, for your home. Don't get the really cheap ones at the hardware store, invest in one <laughs> that you know works. You know, I actually went to the hardware store and I looked at hygrometers on the shelf. They all, the same brand, there's like 10 of them on the shelf. They all had different readings. So just be cautious of the $5, $10 hygrometers. Get something that's a little more uh, substantial, works better. <laughs> yeah, you do. So the ideal range is 40 to 60% relative humidity. We all kind of think in terms of high humidity, right? We know things love to grow in high humidity, but up here in the Northern climates, when we turn our, our heating systems on, we actually dry the air out more, relatively speaking. If we fall below 40% RH, there's two things that happen. First of all, pathogens love really dry air, really dry air, so anything less than 40%. Secondly, if you get dry, your body will actually, you actually cause your immune system not to work properly. You're not giving yourself a chance to fight off those, those pathogens in the air. So it's really important, not just from a comfort standpoint, but from a health standpoint to keep your humidification properly and in that proper level. 
So that's more winter time. That's more winter right? time. Yeah, summertime is high humidity, right? So you actually might need a whole home dehumidifier. If you think about us here locally, um, you know, we live near near the Great Lakes in Lake Ontario. Usually when we're hot, we're pretty humid, right? You actually, your air conditioning system by nature is not designed to control humidity all by itself. The air HVAC system is used to control sensible temperature, you know, hot and cold and how we feel hot and cold. There's times when you actually think of, think of those days where it's 72 degrees outside and it just rained, right? Really, really muggy, damp. And you're, I'm, I'm almost certain your air conditioning system's not running at that point, but you feel clammy and sticky and there's a really high relative humidity going on. Some people might turn their thermostat way down and, and turn on the air conditioning, but then, then you tend to get cold because you're trying to treat humidity with your air conditioning system. There's a solution out there for that too, and it's called whole home dehumidification. It's a separate device that does tie in, tie into, it's like the little dehumidifiers in your basement. Sometimes people have those, but this one would be for your yep. whole house. It ties into your ductwork and you can treat your whole house that way. So. So that was four. I just realized I skipped over the very first one. <laughs> so, <laughs> I got it written down here. I'm not help you out. So, so that was actually one of my, yeah, yeah. So source control, very first and foremost, right, <laughs> is source control. And what we mean by that is you have any existing water leaks or roof leaks or, uh, um, uh, you know, a roof flashing or roof, you have to address those first because water is going to be a perpetual problem. That's one thing. The other thing is us, you know, us as living, breathing human beings, we actually pollute our own air. Uh, we give off uh, like VOCs every time, every breath we have, we give off carbon dioxide, we give off skin cells, as we mentioned before, all this gross stuff that happens just from you and I breathing, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't plan on stopping breathing anytime soon. So I'm not going to get rid of myself. Nope. <laughs> Let's not do that. Now, that's a great point though. Um, we excrete toxins, um, these VOCs, formaldehyde, like you touched on, through peeing, mm -hmm. through pooping, through sweating, and through breathing. You know, we forget that we're getting rid of this harmful stuff. Yep, so that's yep, we're sources of it all. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, dust mites, just so everybody knows, they like high humidity. So over 50% relative humidity, dust, dust mites love to, they, they feed off, first of all, they feed off our skin, all right, our dead skin. That's what's really, this is great stuff. I love talking about it. Um, and even if you're, let's say your whole house is at a proper humidity level, think about where dust mites actually live. And it is in your bed because let's think, think about where you sleep, where you sit all the time, your couch and furniture, right? That's where dust mites usually live because you're, you're shedding and those spaces, if you think you're hot and you're, you're giving off moisture constantly, that's where they exist. So if you can keep humidity control in check, it'll help keep the dust mites down. And there's other strategies for people that are allergic to, uh, it's not the dust mite themselves, it's what they leave behind. It's really disgusting, you know, but that's 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 just what we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, I'm allergic to um, I had allergic testing a couple of years ago and the only thing was dust mites. So, um, and I remember that as a kid too, it was the same kind of thing. When I was younger, I got tested, dust mites and a couple other things I grew out of those. So my mom would always wrap my bed. Yes. My so any other quick tips for dust mites? Yes. Yep, the dust, you have to put your mattress in a basically a big bag and your pillowcase in a big, yes, and constantly wash the sheets yeah. and pillowcases, yep. But also dehumidify. Dehumidify, yep. So anytime yeah. above, they like, they start uh, really liking it when it's above 50% relative humidity, yeah, they start thriving. So it'll be worse in the summertime. Yeah. Okay, so that's yep. good to know. I'm into that. Um, so when we talk about fresh air in, that brought me back to when I was a younger kid going to baseball practice, some of my teammates' fathers would smoke like chimneys. 
and I'm sitting in the car, right? We're going to practice. And I remember like vividly, like holding my breath because remember like the old, um, the old windows, they'd have like a triangle oh, yeah. window. Oh yeah. The first it was like these cars were built for smoking. <laughs> they were. You know, you dump your cigarette and cigar up there. But every window was closed <laughs> in the car, but that little space. I, I mean, I feel like that would be illegal now. You would, you would th- right, right. You know what's bad is like I travel a lot and, and, and you get a rental car and right away when you sit in the darn thing, you can just tell, even though they tell you you're going to get fined for it. People still smoke in these things. I swear to God. I had this one I rented once and it smelled, somebody had a party in this car. I was like, oh my God, I had them switch it out for me because it didn't smell like regular smoke. It smelled like something else, but it was like, oh boy. I remember, so my first job, I was busting tables at a restaurant. I was 15 years old. And that was the year they switched it, and they said no more smoking inside. Now, so your boys probably don't even. They don't. That, I don't think do they, they do. <laughs> no, a lot of people don't. And now, when you go to like travel to other states, and they still allow it, it's like, whoa, what's going on here? I can't take it. I gotta get out. No. Well, that's that's a good change, though, for sure. Jeez. Um, okay, so those are great tips right there. So, are there is there any specific order to getting these done? No, that's a really good question. Um, you know, it all depends on on your, you know, obviously your budget, what you can afford. Um, uh, some things are more expensive to install than others. There's no silver bullet here or one way to approach it. Uh, you have to look at what your specific case is, what your, what you, your, you know, do you have allergies? Do you have asthma? Do you have COPD? What is it that you're dealing with you and, you know, you, the occupant in your house and what is your house capable of too? Is it a really old house that's leaky anyway, or is it a new house that's really tight? So there is different, you know, these five strategies. Um, honestly, I love, I don't have a, a fresh air exchanger in my house. I don't, I have a humidifier. I have a forced air furnace, but for fresh air, I swear in the dead of winter, you won't, I, I, some people think I'm crazy, but I, I open the windows and doors every once in a while just to air out the house. So it doesn't cost any money. Um, you can also turn on your bath fans, honestly, and force an exhaust. You know, you're going to create air exchange. Another little trick, honestly, if there's somebody sick that's in your house, and you kind of like, I hate to say quarantine them, but maybe you give them their own room in their bathroom. You know, you could, oh, it's, it's a really good idea to keep the window cracks, keep some of that fresh air coming in and turn the bath fan on and you create this, you know, this air flow, this fresh air exchange. And that doesn't cost anything. It's just a little, you know, as long as the temperature is okay and you're comfortable, but keep fresh air. I can't stress enough about it in different strategies. So any one of those strategies, you know, there's something out there to fit your budget and your and your system and your house and what's good for you and again i would strongly encourage anyone to have uh, a conversation with their heating and air conditioning professional a conversation shouldn't cost you any money or just have somebody come over and, and check out your system and most of our guys um in this area anyway are really really uh, in tune with uh, these with these strategies we've got some really good contractors here in the rochester area that's for sure so it sounds like an hvac company or guy or a person should be on speed dial and we should have them come out once a year at least to look everything over? At least once a year. A lot of them will offer twice, you know, once before the heating season, once before the cooling season. So if you have a furnace only, yeah, probably once a year just because you have a heating system. If you have heating and cooling, it's pretty typical or common to come out once in the fall to give everything a one over, you know, make sure the furnace is operating correctly and everything's clean and, um, you know, mechanically speaking. And then in the springtime, it's like a pre-cooling check to make sure your air conditioning is running optimally. So twice a year is, is kind of the norm uh, for a lot of guys that if you're interested in maintenance that I would suggest. Air filters, you know, I can't stay stress enough. If you're changing out your own air filters, you have everybody is different. Every house is different. Whether you have pets or a smoker in the house, you're gonna change your air filter different frequencies than you would. Let's say an elderly couple just, uh, you know, with no kids, 
it's a little bit different, you know, what's happening inside. So everybody, as far as changing air filters, you just have to keep on them and not forget about them. Unfortunately, a lot of the newer thermostats have reminders on them too to remind you if you're looking at your thermostat, it'll remind you to uh, to change or go look at your filter. So at least look at them often to see what's going on there. And again, just see if there's an opportunity for you to increase your air filtration capacity and, and help you breathe a little better too. I just changed out my shower head filters to wipe out the chlorine. Yeah. Uh, there's a little dial on there though. It tells you which month and every six months they recommend. So that helps. It definitely helps. Yeah. Any reminder? Sure. Absolutely. What about houseplants? I'm kind of going off script. Yeah. Any indoor houseplants I've heard are really good for air quality. Yeah, there's like a list of four or five of them that are really good. Um, and you have to be careful. This is like a, a fine balance thing. So, you know, with houseplants, you have dirt, right? So in dirt grows mold. So you have to be careful. You know, the unfortunate part, yeah, there's houseplants that can actually help you with, you know, uh, you know, cleaning the air per se. But the problem is, let's just take, you know, your average 2,000 square foot home or, 20, you know, you probably need a whole lot of plants in order to do any anything effective. So one or two here and there isn't really, you know, they're nice to look at, but uh, I would just, you know, it, the real world is you'd probably need a bunch of plants um, to, to do the job. I heard of a building in India, honestly, with India and their air pollution problems. I heard guys talking about there's a whole room full of plants for this one building and they actually pump the air that's coming from that room, all that fresh oxygen from the plants, they actually pump it in throughout the rest of the space. It's really, really wild. But you're talking oh. thousands of plants. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to get two snake plants. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you made a great point, though, of the fresh air in your bedroom, especially when you're trying to sleep at night. That's also going to cool down the temperature in the room. And research shows that we should keep it. Everyone's a little bit different, but mm -hmm. mid-60s. And a lot of people, it's it's way too warm in the room. They're not sleeping right. Yeah, it's a, that's another interesting point. I actually like to sleep in the cold myself, preferably. Yeah. Um, more so than I'll tell you, temperature is a, is a, is a prime factor, but I'll tell you what, with all the research, the way it's been going, you really have to look at humidity levels. If you're, if your air is below that 40% relative humidity threshold, it's, it's going to be an issue. You're going to, you're opening yourself up to, to, you know, getting sick, uh, in several different ways that I mentioned earlier, but, but please, you know, a hygrometer, um, you know, a good one could cost you a hundred bucks, grab one and just make sure your humidity levels in, in range. And I got to say, again, most contractors up here in a Northern climate are very good about offering and making sure if you buy a furnace, you're going to get a humidifier with that. That, that being said, there's different kinds of humidifiers, right? And honestly, uh, there's room only air humidifiers you find in, in the, um, in the pharmacies too, right? There's room only versions that you can put up in each room and, and bring the humidity, humidity level up that way. Whole house is probably a better way to go because you're treat your whole space. Um, steam humidification by far and away, it's, it's more expensive, but you can dial that right into where you want it. Um, and we always said, you know, people with pianos and a lot of woodwork and our artwork or whatever should really have steam humidifier. But honestly, with the way the research is going now, it's more for health than it is anything else. And to limit those airborne pathogens and give your body a fighting chance to, uh, to, to ward them off. I'm going to start calling you Dr. Bob. <laughs> you know your stuff, man. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. So next question here. How can we test the quality of our air at home or our work office? Like what technology is used and can you describe the process? Sure. There are, uh, you know, given the past, I would say 10 years or so, there are, it's a market, an area of our field that there, there's more of these devices coming on the market. You can go on Amazon and find some uh, IAQ monitors. And here I'll say the same thing we kind of said before about the hygrometer, right? 
be cautious because you get what you pay for. Uh, IAQ sensors, you at least, you know, temperature and humidity, I probably would be, okay. you know, some of them do that. You're, you should be okay anyway there, but temperature, humidity, first and foremost, you need a means to measure the VOCs. So make sure there's a sensor in there. And then the particulates, some of them have laser particle counters in them. They tend to cost more money, but they're worth it. So I would say, you know, in a couple hundred dollar range, if you want something that's a little more accurate, that's probably what you're going to spend. Um, some contractors will have devices that they can install in the ductwork as well. Um, so there's the room only ones. That's kind of what I was referring to before. But then there's this whole the, the whole house type version of this too that can get installed in the ductwork, and you can monitor your whole home. And they're used with like apps, so you can look, check out your app or get you know notified if the VOCs shoot up or particulates shoot up. Usually it's when somebody's cooking or working out in the house. You'll see those those shoot up, or when somebody vacuums. That's another good point. So vacuums. Make sure your vacuum cleaners have HEPA filters on them because you don't want to you know suck up the stuff and throw it back in the air. Um, so to come full circle on that, there are devices on the market. Just be careful. You get what you pay for, but I would definitely get something that does humidity, uh, something that can look at VOCs and maybe, uh, the particulates too. And some of those will tell you, you know, when it's time to change your air filter, just like you know, some thermostats will, but they're, they're, they exist. They become more prevalent on the market. Just, uh, just cautious about what you're paying, you know, what you're actually buying. Do some research, look at the reviews or call your HVAC guy and get one of the central ones installed. Gotcha. I'm curious on your answer to this one. What are your thoughts on diffusing essential oils? Should they be done in conjunction or separately while improving air quality? So that's a that's a really, really good, good question. So in 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 and of themselves, essential oils actually are volatile organic compounds. They are off-gassing their odors, right? So mm -hmm. Uh, there's been studies done. I think they they narrow. There's at least a couple hundred of them. Uh, there's a couple hundred different varieties of VOCs in those in those essential oils. Um, I I get aromatherapy. I understand why people do it from a therapeutic standpoint. And I would just answer it this way. You know, you have to weigh the um, the risk versus the reward. Okay, you find a benefit from it. Uh, just be cautious about how much. So you know, uh, too much of anything is not a good thing. Um, you know, I like smoking i use like using the smoker in the backyard when the weather's nice you know i don't mind i like cooking a brisket or you know uh, a, a pork shoulder and, and i'm standing over top of the smoke and i love it it's just manly it's like i'm out there cooking meat right and i love i love like throwing a mosquito on there and just getting a whiff of it it's great but i know that i can't do that all day <laughs> uh, or i will but it's like okay it's risk versus reward i know in the end this is going to taste this is going to taste awesome and uh uh so with essential oils i would just say in some of the studies that I read, um, the most benefit happens within the first hour anyway. So if you go longer than an hour, just be cautious. Obviously, everyone is different to different types of VOCs. You might find that, that one, you have a reaction to one versus another, or the next guy over, you know, if you're in a spa somewhere, you know, somebody might have a reaction to something that they're smelling in that spa. And it's, it's one of those VOCs. I don't know, you know, it depends on which one, but here's the thing exposure to anything just you know if you're not bothered by it you're not bothered by it and if you enjoy it you enjoy it right risk versus reward however if you come across one that's causing you a reaction i would just say hey you know, is it really worth it uh or maybe limit it to 30 to 60 minutes or something so it's all you know <laughs> they're they are vocs that's that's that's, that's, that's a fact <laughs> uh yeah, just yeah. uh no, they're even though they're organic they're yeah they're yeah all, it's still yeah it's still a compound it is their body it is down and it's great yeah yeah um and, and, and like you said some people might tolerate well and other yeah. people certain oils it's like wow i got a headache or i got a rash or whatever yep. 
It's totally true. What is the best disinfectant for coronavirus? So I don't know that we know fully uh, an answer. And and the, the interesting thing about this the past couple of months is you see a study one week and then I see a study a different week and we're just learning. We're still learning, I guess. Um, you know, the tried and true alcohol, right? Rubbing alcohol. Everybody's been using rubbing in you know, different forms of alcohol and um, to do that. Um, I think hydrogen peroxide is another one that tends to be in our in our medicine cabinets. Uh, I saw on one morning show a few weeks back that they were showing you, you know, uh, somebody poured a bottle of, of hydroperoxide in a spray bottle and they just clean their counters. You know, disinfection's an interesting thing. You can't just disinfect first. You actually have to wash surfaces first and then disinfect, right? It's a two-step process. You can't just jump right to disinfection because if there's still garbage or junk on the countertop, you're not really, you know, it's still there. Um, and the other thing is, it's really important that you pick one, don't mix them. Uh, if you're going to do hydrogen peroxide, do hydrogen peroxide. If you're going to do alcohol or Lysol, just stick with the one, don't mix them. Bad things happen when you mix all of those. If you think you're doing a good thing by, you know, spraying one thing over top of another, you're actually going backwards. And obviously in well-ventilated areas too, if you, if you spray a lot of something, uh, turn the fans on or ventilate because you don't want to be breathing. As, as, even though they're cleaners, you don't want to be breathing them in. Right. What about masks? Like me as a doctor with mm -hmm. patients, um, what mask do you recommend? That's a really good question too. So here's the thing. So we're all, well, I think in upstate New York here, we're used to, you know, as of, over the past week, we were supposed to be wearing them outside. So surgical masks, as you know, actually protect other people other than you because you're stopping your germs from leaving your body and going out into the space, right? So just a simple surgical mask is not meant so much for you, but for other people. So you're not spreading your bioaerosols out. The N95 masks, which are being used by all and anybody in the medical field, are actually protection for the person. So if I have an N95 mask on, that's going to help me in, in my breathing air uh, from, from bringing something into my body from elsewhere. So there is a big difference, and I don't know that everybody understands that, but surgical masks, you know, we're all chipping in and wearing them as we're out and about. Uh, it's just so if somebody sneezes or coughs or, or you know, our, our, when we expel our droplet nuclei out into the space, uh, we're going to keep it to ourselves. It's trying to keep it near us and not being out in the air. I'm actually getting used to wearing it now. I've been wearing it for the last, I mean, at least the last six weeks now. I feel like it's going to yeah. be normal. I actually a have a hiking buff I've been using. So I put it over my neck. It keeps me warm, and then I just, it's been cold, too. So it actually double things. I just pull it up over my face and, uh, you know, keep my germs to me. So whatever go. works. Yeah, whatever. You get some funky uh, patterns, too. I see people making them all. Get some camo yeah. patterns or flower flow. <laughs> get creative. <laughs> yeah. Whatever works. It's kind of like the Twilight Zone, though. You go to Wagner, it's like, it's, it's weird, isn't it? It is. It's really, it's a whole new experience. It really is. We'll see what happens. We're, well, I can't wait to get that. back to the so mountains. <laughs> I know, right? You and me both. What's the best part of your job, Rob? Uh, you know, Dr. Matt, I just enjoy sharing um, and teaching um, and seeing the light bulb go off with people and just like you know this conversation i really appreciate you having me here here and having this conversation because i get to share what i've learned you know in the course of my you know, being an hvac guy in the, in the field for years you know uh i just from what i've learned and being around all these you know pollutants I, I just enjoy sharing the knowledge of being in this position and for anyone out there that's you know uh, been ill or has lost your job my heart goes out to you i hope you get better soon uh, we are thinking about everyone we're fortunate and I, I it's a blessing every day that we're not sick 
and that I, you know, I, I count it as a blessing to be able to share this information too with everyone else. So I, I just enjoy, you know, the conversation, honestly, and, and sharing what I've learned. Well, you can definitely tell that you're passionate about what you do and, and your knowledge, you know, your stuff. Uh, and you're, you're a pretty cool dude because you have your own podcast. <laughs> so why don't you tell why don't you tell listeners about your podcast? Sure. My po I just started it this past January. It's been on for about three or four months now. Uh, it came to me, uh, it's called Rep Talk, R-E-P-T-A-L-K. And I was getting, for those people that I was helping train um, in, in IAQ, some of our reps uh, and some of the folks that I've seen in different classes across the country, they would call me from time to time and give me some feedback or really excited about something, you know, like, I, I got to share this story. I got to grab this guy is so excited about what he learned. He just taught somebody else. I, it makes me feel proud, like a proud dad. Right. Uh, I just thought, you know, I got to capture these stories somehow. So I thought, you know, what better way to do it? Why don't I just grab them, get them on an interview like we're doing now and just share those stories. So I have a lot of IAQ stories, a lot of sales stories on this channel. I actually just recently, interviewed Dr. Stephanie Taylor. She's a Harvard uh, educated doctor. She's an MD and she, she has a practice, um, uh, pediatric oncology practice in Boston. And she's the one that really enlightened me and my world about humidity control. And she, it, so, so she's an MD and she got her architectural degree and learned about buildings because she was always wondering about health related illnesses and what's going on with her patients and why do they come here and get sick or what and she's the one that did these studies in conjunction with a couple other people and found that these of all the parameters in these patients rooms the one that stuck out was humidity and she thought they made a mistake she actually fired one company brought another one in i can't believe it it was humidity and this is what i mean this is so she was on one of my podcasts anyway i'm sorry about it, the long answer but she was on one of my that's a really good interview i had with her a couple weeks ago i just love having guests on talking about this stuff and learning new things myself so it's rep talk if you have a chance check it out we're on all the different platforms very cool. I'm going to check that out next because last time we recorded this. Um, no, I didn't. I was looking forward to it. Yeah. So it's happened. It's on. It's published. It's out there now. <laughs> and I've noticed that today, comparing it to last time, you said way more about humidity. So that's yeah. really cool. I'm going to go listen to that. Cool. Um, okay. So uh, I want you to clear the air with, can listeners make an appointment with you to come to their home to have it evaluated? Your company? I love how, how you said clear the air. That was perfect. That was so perfect. <laughs> let's clear the air dr matt let's do it right now yeah no i appreciate the question so i don't work directly in the public or public spaces anymore i'm not in contracting myself i'm kind of the guy lurking in the background working with contractors so um you can certainly if you want to reach out to me or look at uh, what i've done or any of my work I, I am on linkedin just look up rob ambrosetti on linkedin you'll see me there um, as far as helping your own home or your own building or workplace, I would just strongly encourage you to find uh, an air conditioning contractor. You probably already have somebody. If you don't, I can help you there too, locally or wherever. Uh, we have a network of contractors. So um, so I don't work directly in the homes any longer, but uh, I, I'm just a source of information and sharing it and, and uh, through our other, through our network of, of contractors. All right, Rob, final question. If you have a friend coming to Rochester who has never been here before, where are you Ooh, there's so many spots seriously uh okay i guess the one that i go back to the most here's a good one i just like the downtown you know i don't live downtown but i like going downtown when i can i think one of the areas that really highlights you know true downtown rochester is the genesee brewery or the brew house 
the you know mm-hmm. you can taste some beers the tasting room's great they got a little interactive historical like museum downstairs and the best part is if it's nice out you go up on the roof deck and you're just overlooking the falls so i love people i love showing off downtown to people and then the bridge you can go over to the pedestrian bridge go look at the falls so that's kind of one of my i guess that would be my the, the most popular one that stands out in my head i enjoy going down there it doesn't surprise me fresh air and a, outside and a beer right? <laughs> <laughs> and a beer and a couple beers. I like it. I thought you were going to say I want to smell some DOCs in my backyard. Well, over my grill. You can smell the brewery <laughs> sometimes. Okay, great answer. Um, well, Rob, that was a lot of fun, man. I appreciate your time and sharing your knowledge. Thank you, Dr. Matt. That was awesome. Well, thanks, listeners. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you gained a lot of value and will share this with your family and friends to spread the wealth of knowledge that Rob gave us today. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you can join me next time with a new local guest in the health and wellness space. I hope you're having an amazing day and I'll talk to you soon.